Welcome to episode 46 of the Running on Om podcast with Lindsay Dyer, professional skier, She Jumps co-founder, filmmaker, and visual artist. In this episode, Lindsay shares her athletic background, from her relationship with skiing in her youth, to how she began competing professionally. Lindsay discusses the experiences of fear, confidence, and fluidity when freestyle skiing. She explains the birth of the girafficorn, the half-giraffe, half-unicorn mascot of She Jumps, an organization Lindsay founded that promotes the participation of girls in the outdoors through mentorship. Lastly, Lindsay reveals insight and information on Pretty Faces, her upcoming film that will be the first all-female ski documentary. If you would like to connect with Lindsay and the Running on Ohm community, you can find us on runningonohm.com, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. In addition, in order to help others find the Running on Ohm podcast, it would be very helpful if you could leave a review on iTunes. Oh. Welcome, Lindsay, to the Running on Ohm podcast. Thanks. Now, you describe yourself as an athlete, an artist, an adventurer. Which title do you think came first? Mm. Uh, actually, I think they all, that's why they're all there. Is they all kind of work in unison. I think they all feed off, off of each other. I couldn't have one without the other. Well, first starting with athlete, when did athletics come into your life and when did you discover skiing as your sport? Uh, like most kids that uh, that I was surrounded by, we were kind of, I grew up in a, in a ski town. My dad, my parents met on the mountain and my dad was, uh, was a ski coach and uh, so it was, I was literally born into it. Uh, like like most of the people around me, and um, I didn't go make it mine. Probably, you know, I, I think I grew up like like most kids, kind of doing what I was told and what was expected, and just kind of following. Um, and then ended up doing well in ski racing, and you know, being pushed toward toward that future of. Uh, the Olympics and that sort of thing, but it still wasn't really my passion, <clears throat> and uh, ended up actually going to college with a ski racing scholarship, but I didn't really make it mine until um, I quit skiing and actually went to art school in Italy, um, finally on my own terms, and and that year away from it, getting perspective on it. Um, and realizing how much I really did love it kind of brought me back with a new um, appreciation for it and wanting to do it on my own terms. And that's when my cousin, AJ Cargill, who was one of the pioneers of women in free skiing and this whole extreme skiing realm, literally kidnapped me from college and took me to my first competition and um, ended up winning that and just seeing a whole new side of skiing that I'd never experienced. And um, that's when I really made skiing my own. What was that side that you saw? That side, uh, well, so coming from ski, competitive ski racing, it's very regimented, it's very serious, it's very competitive. And my experience of it was that it really – it brought out the ugly side of, 
of human nature, um, winning at all costs. Um, the uh, some of the girls had uh, had learned how to <laughs> play some really mean head games, and boys too, actually. And um, it just it didn't make good people. It made winners, and that's what was valued. But that wasn't something I it that just didn't sit right. Winning just Winning, for the sake of winning, um, there was something missing, and there, it just wasn't fun. And uh, ironically, I'm making a ski film now, and I've interviewed a lot of women, and they all kind of said the same thing, and they all have big regrets around feeling not tough enough from, from that whole super competitive ski race background. So the free, what the free skiing brought was um, it was fresh, it was new, it was I mean, it's called free skiing, so you're you're judged on uh, the line. You get to pick your line down a mountain, um, make your creative mark, and decide how you're going to get down in the most entertaining and fun way. And and whoever does that the most fluidly, the most aggressive, the, with the best technical skill um, wins. And so it just added a lot more creativity, a lot more um it was just a lot. The community that it brought was much more uh, community-oriented and accepting and relaxed and laid back. And, and maybe that's just the nature of a, a newer sport. But it was a breath of fresh air. And uh, <clears throat> I could take all those things that I'd learned from skiing as far as discipline and hard work and um, and focus and dealing with pressure and put it into something that um, I could really shine in, which was the creative aspect of skiing. Mm, very cool. When you look back on your career and I imagine hundreds of races, what is one race to you that really stands out as a race where you felt like really in touch with that artistic sense, that creative sense when you were freestyle skiing? You know, that's a, that's a good question. I think actually, um, when you're competing, um, <laughs> I, I still haven't gotten into that state during competition. This competition is very aggressive, uh, intense. It comes from a different energy, and I, I, I know I can tell you, um, you can understand that it comes from a very masculine, uh, yeah, like I said, aggress- aggressive, aggressive. Um, warrior place it and where the creative comes from a uh it, you know it's very it has direction it's very um intense the creative it can be more free flowing and open and free and um you don't have to there is ne- not necessarily any uh end result that you're that you're going toward and in any com- competitive atmosphere i think it's very focused on the end result so I can't say as though I I could really tap into that that creativity um, as much as you're wanting to go. You look up at the mountain and you say, "What looks like a fun a fun line, a fun something that will challenge me, will push my abilities, will be you know it's pretty scary." We we have a saying in skiing like, "If you're not scared, it's probably not going to be good enough." 
Um, so you're really confronting your fears. And so in that way, it's hard to feel creative. It's more about confidence and I know I can do this. I got excited when I looked up and saw this line. But oftentimes, once you're at the top, you actually can't see even sometimes two turns in front of you because it's the feet. So that's when you really have to tap into some other um, components of confidence and belief in yourself and uh, uh, and just suitedness and I can do this and aggressive and I've got this. Does that make sense? Yeah. As where the creativity, um, I'm trying to get to that now. Uh, and I think that's kind of the next stage in the evolution of this sport and maybe all, um, actually our whole planet, is to take a little less focus off of an expected end result and more into the freeform uh bigger sense of what creativity can be. Does that make sense? Yeah. Where where do you source your confidence from? Like, where do you source that? Do you have a phrase, a mantra, a personal inspiration that kind of keeps you focused when the competition gets really tough? I think most confidence comes from knowing that you, or I have, I'm extremely prepared, uh, I've trained harder, as hard as I possibly could. I've visualized as hard as I could. I've put the time in to, uh, so that when you're standing up there, all the doubts come in, as they will, as they do, of, oh, this might be over my head. Oh, has a girl ever done this? Is this even possible for a female body? Is What are all the things that could go wrong? And as those things kind of come through your head, are you prepared to fight back with, actually, no, I have trained as hard as one possibly can. I'm as fit and prepared as possible. I have all the best equipment. I have all the best um, support. And and most of all, I want this. I, I want uh, success more than I'm, uh, like, failure is just not an option. Um, that's, uh, that's kind of a... Especially when your life is on the line, and I think that a lot of athletes um, really are drawn to this sport because the risks are so great that you have no choice. There's no there's no room uh, for doubt. There's no room for well. If I don't make that turn right there, then there's a good chance I'm not going to make it. But you can't even that those. Options are, they can't be in your head because if they are, they'll get you. So you have to be just so confident and so prepared. Um, and that's, um, the mantras are good for when you're not up at, you know, about to drop in. I think those are good as a practice to help build the brain and the focus that you want. Um, but once you're up there, most athletes just kind of, uh, it's about uh, turning off the brain and um, and having a trigger to just get into uh, the zone, I guess, mm. for lack of a better word, or a flow state. Yeah, I think what you're speaking to and your experience with ski competition is really similar to both what I experience in running competitions and what 
athletes experience in many different divisions. It's very it's really cool to see the the continuity there. Yep, I think uh I think all all avenues. I even my mom loves to cook and I it just sort of hit me last night that um as she's up at two o'clock in the morning making chicken noodle soup and I've never understood that. I finally got it that actually this is that's where my mom can get into her flow state. So because um, obviously why else would she be doing that? But we all are kind of looking for that place where we we get a lot of nourishment and for extreme athletes, um, they found it in that place where uh, <laughs> the consequences are so high that they have to go there. But I think um, <clears throat> there's there's so many ways to get there. We all just have to find our own. For sure, for sure. Now changing gears a little bit, talking about kind of your title and your persona as an artist. What kinds of art endeavors do you do for someone who doesn't know? What's your background in art, and what artistic projects are you up to right now? So my favorite genre, I guess, of uh, of art making is printmaking. Um, so there's several different techniques even in that kind of genre. Um, I love screen printing because I love, you know, hand-making screens and mixing um, ink pigments and um, and solid bright color. I, I have a graphic design degree, so uh, just making making functional art that can go beyond gallery wall um, and and really try to just add a bit of magic to the world. Whether it's uh, seagrass or on a poster or a t-shirt or bumper sticker, um, those are the ways I feel like you can really make someone's day brighter uh, by funny things or just a, um, you know, it, I, I noticed one of one of my little creations of, is a girafficorn. It's a... I love the girafficorn. <laughs> <laughs> most, see, I mean, that's that's a good example of what it does is uh, when whenever people see it's a unicorn giraffe, um, so whenever people see it, I just watch them light up and something, um, nostalgic or, or it brings, it brings back the magic of childhood. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it, every time people see it, it just, you can see it light them up just a little bit. And so that's how I know that I'm adding a little bit more magic to the world instead of, there's so many reasons to be disappointed and sad and, and, uh, and to see the world from a dark place. So any way that I can kind of add that, um, that's kind of my motivation for art making. So giraffe corn, how did that come to you? Was it in a dream? Was this something that you were really working on for a long time? What was the birth of it? So that's a great question. I think the whole, my, just my whole art making for me is, is, I'm so physical from the from the skiing and so terrified most of the year <laughs> trying to survive in the biggest, coldest, gnarliest mountains. In the spring, once I have some downtime, um, I go and make art. And I think it, it kind of allows me to um, get quiet and go more internal 
be more internal than always external of the physical sport part. And uh, so I was, I had an art show uh, and I was designing um, t-shirts. This time I wanted to have an art show on t-shirts so that people could, you know, wear them. And, and I'd been up for a couple of days designing crap, what I thought was crap. And finally, like three in the morning on the third day of, of, uh, trying to come up with something um, that I was really proud of. I was finally so tired, and my brain, I think, was finally so tired. And then she came through, like, right, just without really thinking, um, really easily. And I think that's probably, I like to say, she was at three in in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I hadn't, I didn't, you know, it didn't really come from thinking. Um, And I think that was, that's always been a lesson to me too. Is I can just stop trying so hard or um, thinking so much about, um, you know, trying to get some places. Uh, that's when the good stuff kind of comes through without efforting. Mm. Now with She Jumps, which you founded in 2006, was that a similar process that it kind of came through you? Or was that also, or was it something that you've been thinking about for a long time? And for listeners who don't know what She Jumps is, will you give us a little bit of a feel? Yeah, so She Jumps is 501c3 uh, that encourages more participation in the outdoors of women. Um, It was birthed, (laughs) that's a funny word. Uh, my best friend and I, um, were both really into soccer when we were young, um, really into team sports and skiing is very much an individual sport. Um, and it's very cutthroat, very competitive. Uh, and we were actually on a road trip up to Whistler to go learn backflips for the first time. And, um, and we were just, you know, road trips are magical and we got into talking about how much we we missed our soccer teams and you know and women had uh not really had their place in this world of of free skiing and how much good we could do if we all kind of came together and realized we were on each other's team and Ooh. raise awareness as a whole so um so we're just like well let's 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 start it. Um, let's make a team out of an individual sport and try to bring everyone together and show, um, and yeah, as a whole. So that's how she jumps began. You know, we were like, Oh, maybe we'll make it a secret society. And, <laughs> and you, uh, you have to get in, inducted. You know, we're also, um, never into sororities or anything, but always kind of fascinated by the whole secret society part, but all of that. <laughs> way. And, um, and it's just been, it's been incredible. I think one of the, one of the parts that I never imagined was how many friends I would make through she jumps is it really draws, um, a, an incredible crowd. The people that are drawn to it are really special, um, both the guys that support it and the females and I have just we have all made best friends around the world with people we probably never would have known if it um didn't exist. And you go on adventures with these 
girls that you didn't know were your best friends <laughs> from and you know learn everything from rappelling into an ice cave to um to just having someone to go for a bike ride with you know it's uh it's been such a blessing i think for all of us are there any adventures on your schedule with she jumps in the upcoming future that you're really looking forward to well, I've been sort of all consumed by this project that I've been literally all consumed uh, by for the last few years, which is an all-female ski film. Um, pretty faces. Pretty faces, yeah. So right now with She Jumps, we're planning the tour uh, um, to show the movie, and it will also incorporate a workshop um, to allow people that come – to not only be entertained, but to hopefully have a personal experience of um, of what it looks like to set goals and to step up to maybe there are a, a fear that they're struggling with, or to really think about what makes them feel alive. Um, so that they walk out of the theater not only with a good beer buzz, but um, but maybe a, an insight into into their world and and living to to their ultimate potential. So that's kind of uh, been all consuming, and um, that's what I'm working on. Which that's probably the the biggest up, upcoming she jumps adventure is putting on this tour across the country. What I know you've been doing a lot of interviews for Pretty Sacred. What is one interview that you've done recently that stands out to you as one that you felt really moved by, and why was that? These are great questions. Uh, an interview that I had been, that, that I was interviewing other athletes? Yeah. That's a great question. So one of them, um, there's one of the pioneers of the sport, her name's Kristen Ulmer, and she's almost 50, um, but you wouldn't know it. She has no wrinkles. She's just um, amazingly alive. And uh, something that really struck me was she said, I had a professional ski career for 15 or for 15 years, and she she actually has been retired now for about 15 years. And she said it's taken that 15 years to recover from her ski career. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, I, I was so broken. I had... Um, I was so uh, narcissistic. I, I was. I had um, so many injuries that um, I had to keep skiing on. I, I didn't love it. I was, you know, she had really. Um, it didn't feel authentic to her anymore, and and uh, it was a really interesting point of where, you know, everyone says follow your dream, follow your passion, make your passion. Uh, you know, if you can work in in your something you love, then it'll never be a job. But I think um, even for things that are a dream job, um, they can get out of balance, and they can get uh, the pressure can can be too much, and it, it can lead you to uh, living an inauthentic life. Um, so I guess. I guess um, what maybe I didn't take this from that interview, but one thing I've seen 
and I guess a message that I'd love to share with young girls is that there's so much that we see now in the media um, and on Instagram and Facebook, and we all probably imagine somebody else that we idolize having, maybe they portray that dream life that you think is a dream life, um, whether it's a model or it's an athlete. And I can tell you that um, sometimes it, we, as even as professional athletes, we um, we get stuck in having to portray um, a fantasy life that isn't even true for us. And so just because we might have those spectacular images and we're putting that out and always putting out positivity, um, we all get to edit our life for Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> we And we get to edit out the confusing and the the tough times and the and the struggles and the loneliness and all that. So I guess my message is just that um, the only just to try not to compare ourselves um, and to and to really follow our truth and and that can only be it's it's you can't get that from anyone else you can't get that from watching someone else you can't um, or or what they might portray. Um, the only way you can know what's true for you is if you feel good and if you um, are doing things that are in your truth. Uh, and I think, um, you know, go towards careers and, and, and when there's money involved, um, it's really easy to abandon uh, ourselves um, for, for having to show up or having to perform or, or whatnot. And I think that's probably the biggest challenge in life is, are you going to be true to yourself? Are you going to live an authentic life? And that, um, I think that's the most challenging thing, thing all of us humans can, can live up to. But if you can say that you are living authentically, um, accepting all the good and the bad and trying not to compare yourself to what you imagine that someone else has, um, I, I would really look up to that person. Hmm. I really, really like that. Now, I mean, social media is obviously a huge part of your life as well as mine. So how do you unplug, I mean, how do you unplug from the filmmaking process, from all your responsibilities? So where where do you find your balance? <laughs> uh, uh, unplug what? Uh, I'm, I'm probably struggling with that a lot right now. Uh, I'm sort of trying to do all of this. Uh, probably the work of many um, on my own. And that's just, it's, I think it's tough when you have a vision. Um, It's really hard to expect you that you could either hire it out or, or hand it off to someone else. Um, So I would say right now you caught me in a fairly unbalanced time um, of, of uh, just trying to run, 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 make deadlines. Um, make it happen on time. So, uh, but I think that's, yeah, that's the challenge is um, I'm pretty excited. I've been traveling for literally six months and I'm excited to get into a routine here. And finally, um, I think yoga and meditation will be a huge part of my daily life now. And then, of course, the mountain bike rider or a rut. Those are the ways that I stay, well, (laughs) <laughs> grounded and don't have a panic attack every day because <laughs> it's, it's pretty intense right now. 
For sure. And when should listeners be expecting to see Pretty Faces, whether that be a trailer or the actual tour, those dates being released? Uh, I, I would expect to see a trailer in September, and we will be showing. Uh, we'll be starting our tour in October. That is super so, exciting. For it then. Yeah. yeah, and and we'll have we'll have um, a small line of hats and hoodies to go along with it that I'm really excited so that we can, you know, um, represent the magic <laughs> in multiple facets. Awesome. So to close up our interview, I have a few fun either-or questions. Apples or oranges? <laughs> oranges. Mountains or oceans? Both. Okay. Early bird or night owl? Mm. Um, <laughs> all my answers are in between. Smoothies or juices? Juices. Great. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for sharing your story and what you're up to right now on the Running on Own podcast. It was truly a pleasure. <laughs> thanks for having me. Have a great day. Um, thanks for listening to episode 46 of the Running on Ohm podcast with Lindsay Dyer, professional skier, she jumps, co-founder, filmmaker, and visual artist. If you would like to connect with Lindsay and the Running on Ohm community, you can find us on runningonohm.com, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. In addition, in order to help others find the Running on Ohm podcast, it would be very helpful if you could leave a review on iTunes. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I hope you have a beautiful day.